still be praying for some who are still unable to make it. I think of, of course, uh, uh, Lisa Wright. I know they. I think they left after last Sunday morning's service, and and you should just keep her on your prayer sheet. She's just usually always in a lot of pain. I know it's been worse this week, and I see they're not here again this morning. Um, and good to see Michael Amanda be praying for her. Of course, we've mentioned that in Sunday school, and uh, so we have a Sunday school room set up for that baby. If you're ready to go, we're here, and. Uh, um, but do be praying for her. That, that baby will be coming any time now. All right, Ephesians chapter 6. Whoops, I'm in the wrong book here. Again, the first two parts of this message began last Sunday. Last Sunday morning, last Sunday evening. Then I'll continue here this morning. And then again into next Sunday as well. Um, So let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to start reading in in, uh, verse number 14. And uh, let me back up and just cover where we're at. Let me go back to verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, And having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Let's stop right there. Those are the three pieces of the armor that we're going to be looking at this morning. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, ask your blessing upon the message. Please control what I say, even how I say it. Help me to stay true to your word. Help me me to be effective in delivering this truth so that it can be understood, that it will change us, that it will help us, that it will strengthen us spiritually. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, Lord, I pray that your spirit would work and that the, the power of the gospel would work and that conviction and that drawing would take place that even this morning they would repent and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, may you be glorified. I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Last week, again, we began this message, and the whole purpose of the first two messages was simply this, was to try and convince you why you need the armor. We spent a good deal of time last Sunday breaking down those first several verses and and to try to get you to see how important it is that you have this armor. How we looked at how we are at an incredible disadvantage. Apart from it, you will not be able to stand without it. That will not happen. You will not win this victory. Um, You're at an incredible disadvantage, but the Lord supplies us with something that will work perfectly every single time. So we talked about that. We talked about how we are at that disadvantage. We also look at the fact that we are commanded. We have a directive to put it on. It's not an option here. Remember, last week when I set the stage for what was coming in chapter 6, and laid out how the principles that Paul was laying out in the first couple of chapters and then finishing up with some practical things essential to Christian living. 
even the roles in, in, that we play in our culture and in society within your family. And he finishes up coming to this armor. And then I spent the bulk of the time last Sunday morning and night dealing with the enemy himself and trying to get you a picture of what we're battling and the hierarchy that is established and that truly does exist. Without the armor, you have no chance to be able to stand. But the armor works perfectly and it works every time. So listen, you've got to decide if you truly believe this book. All right? Because we're going to get into the armor. You're going to decide because you don't want the mind games taking place. Well, I'm just going to dismiss that. Listen, this is, this is the word of God that is telling you these are the pieces of armor that you need. This is, this, is, this is what's going to protect you spiritually. This is what's going to help you to be, as the Apostle Paul said, when, when, the, when your days are done and you see the end is near. To say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. <clears throat> when we looked at the devil, I want you to consider this. And the Lord knows this. When the devil... And a third, still boggles my mind, a third of the angels went with him. Again, God knew that would happen. That was all in God's sovereignty. But nonetheless, a third made that choice. I think it's some of the nightmares that Satan himself has to have within his own kingdom. You see, God and the angels that stay, they are perfectly obedient. Without question, every time. I promise you, Satan doesn't have that. He does not. These are fallen angels. Nonetheless, we are in a spiritual battle against this hierarchy. And the key to the spiritual battle, listen to me, is right here. Even the truth we're getting into right now. So many people are turning right now today to other things to think that's the answer. <clears throat> we are told in this text how we will be able to stand. And how the key to being able to stand is, in fact, this armor. It says, stand, therefore, and then dives into the armor. This is how you're going to do it. This is how you're going to win that spiritual battle. This is how we stand. This is how we win. This is how we overcome. So you need to see the different attributes that are going to be given as actual pieces of armor that are part of your protection. You know, it's kind of like there are so many times in life that we really don't understand what it is that actually protects us. It's, it's, it's said two times in the Word of God. Um, I believe it's Habakkuk and in the Psalms. I'm trying to remember both places. I can't. I might be wrong in both those books, but I think that's right. He maketh my feet like hind's feet and setteth me upon my high places. The hind was an, was an animal. It was a type of deer. The only protection the hind had was its feet. That was it. The feet were able to protect the hind because the hind could use those feet to get up in really high places. Where bears and all its predators did not have the capability to climb the same way they did or to the altitude that they did. It was the animal's protection. But when the animal came down, it was open to all the predators. 
And when it came down, it had no other defense. It was done. There was nothing it could do. This morning, we're going to look at the first three pieces of the armor for this message. The belt or sash, which is having your loins girt about with truth. Secondly, we're going to look at the breastplate of righteousness. And then thirdly, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So we're going to look at the belt, the breastplate, and your boots. So let's dive into this. Let's look first at the belt. Would you go ahead, Josiah? I have an image ready. I want you to see what, what image, when Paul wrote this, what they would have had in their mind of a first century soldier. That's not him. That's me. Really close, but that's not him. <laughs> that's me right there. <clears throat> he did not know when I was going to have him pull this up. All right, so this is the, I did, you can just leave that up. You can just leave that up. Give me a little bit more light, though, for the message. T- turn the lights back up for me. I'm just going to have that left up right there a little bit. Maybe just a tad bit lower at the lights. We'll try, try and find me a good medium right in there, and I'll be good with it. So the very first piece of the armor that is mentioned is this belt or sash when it says having your loins girt about with truth. The belt and the armor had several purposes that were critical. Without it, the, uh, without it, the rest of the armor and the ability to fight were greatly weakened. So why does the belt, why is it represented by truth? Having your loins girt about with truth. Clearly, a sash or a belt is not armor of itself. It is not. However, and this is key, this is what helps hold the entire, all the pieces of the armor together. Key pieces of the armor together. This gives a soldier a place to put his weapons. This helps uh, keep the breastplate in place. And it allows the soldier to be able to gird himself. So truth, listen, truth is what's holding your armor together. It's what's going to keep it in place. This is why he's starting here. Truth. Now, a Roman soldier wore a tunic. You can see the red sleeve coming down. and It's a little bit too dark in the image, but it shows it in the image going down to about his knees. They would wear a tunic. A tunic, really, to be honest, was not unlike a dress. It had two armholes, a hole for the head, and it would drop down. And there were different versions for men and for women. This in the soldiers was a man's garment. would cover him from the neck, and it would go down to his knees. That's how they would seam those up to those dimensions. When it was time for the battle, a soldier would need to gird this. He would take that. He would take that tunic up, tie it, and cinch it into that sash or that belt. They didn't, they didn't want to get in a fight with that. There's several reasons that would be very important for it to take place when this happened. So when the, when the battle would begin, you wouldn't, want that, you wouldn't want that garment running around. Nor would you want your, your enemy to actually grab your dress and throw it over your head or anything else like that for that matter. You would cinch it up. By the way, this is how in the Bible, this is a whole separate different message. Not even my notes, I'm just going to bring it up now. This is where you get into the Old Testament in the Bible with the priests, when they would underneath their tunic, if you will, where they wore what was called breeches which would become the name britches, even into trousers and into pants. 
don't know if you know that or not. It was for the men at different times when fights would take place or different things when they would have to pull up that tunic and cinch it so they still had some uh, modesty about them, and that's how pants developed. It is truth that prepares you for the battle. It is truth that gets you ready to fight. Now the question is, what is it referring to here when it says to gird your loins about with truth? Many, when you read the commentary, say the word of God. But that is not the primary meaning. Simply because the word of God is going to be the weapon. It's going to refer to that later on in this text. We're going to, we'll look at that next week. We have the sword of the Spirit. I don't think it's necessarily wrong to apply it here, but that's not the primary meaning. This truth is dealing with what we see in Psalm 51. Look over in Psalm 51. This is dealing with that integrity, the truth in the inward parts, in your person, in your character. Psalm 51, 6 says this, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. And this fits perfectly as the armor is laid out, by the way. Thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Again, this is dealing with integrity. It's about you choosing truth as a way to live. It's about being genuine. It's about being real in your faith. Not playing a game with your faith. It starts there. That I will be genuine. I will be true. It's not being a hypocrite. It's not playing the game. It's not just playing church game. It's saying, you know what, I'm going to start off, I'm going to take this serious. I will have truth in the inward parts. I will not be a hypocrite with this. This is what I will follow. You will not be able to fight effectively without this attitude, without this position. It starts with little things by... by when you're able to effectively put this armor on, obviously if this is in place, it's taking your own personal devotion time serious. Not playing a game with it. Every morning, getting into the Word of God and reading it. Getting on your knees in prayer. It's making that decision, I will live by truth. I will have truth in my inward parts. I'll have integrity. I believe also it applies for the fact of truth itself. Living by truth. Knowing truth. The truth is if you have a small understanding of God, you will be greatly limited in your Christian life. You have to learn truth so you can operate from a place of truth. I mean, our world is is literally, the culture is dying off today because people don't understand truth. 
People today actually, and think of the decisions they're making as a result. I mean, the devil has been so effective over a 60 to 70 year period, really going back farther than that. We can probably go back to the 1920s when he was really taking this motion into play in our culture, was that you get to choose your own truth. Well, what's true for you might not be true for me. Nonsense. Because there's a creator, there's absolutes, and what's true is true. You don't get to choose your own truth. You don't get to choose your own morality. I don't get to choose it for you either. But the Creator does. This is what begins to prepare you for the battle. This is what's going to help you to be able to hold the armor together, to give stability to the breastplate, to have a place for the sword. You walk without integrity. The rest will fall apart. It will not be effective. It has to start with taking this serious. I will not play a game. I will be true. When we decide we are people of truth, God uses this to get us ready for the battle to defend ourselves. It will hold the armor together. You lose integrity, your armor will break down. You have to desire truth in the inward parts. So you simply decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be true. I'm going to be genuine. I'm not going to play a game with this Christian life. Secondly, we come to the breastplate of righteousness. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. This is the first piece of true armor that is given. This is the first piece of armor to actually put on. The soldier's breastplate was usually made of metal plates or chains. They'd even use animal horn or animal bone in certain key areas in it to help protect key organs of the body. It would, it would cover them from the neck to the waist, both front and back. It was usually very, a very tough, uh, sleeveless piece of leather or heavy material. And then that's where they would come in with the metal, the animal horn, the hoof pieces sewn on, covering the soldier's full torso. This is what's protecting the heart. This is what's protecting all the vital organs. Understand this. If this area isn't protected, what the soldier knew was this. If I get wounded there, it is usually mortal. Now the question is, what righteousness is this talking about? Is it talking about the imputed righteousness or practical righteousness? We all have, if you're saved, if you have repented and placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you have imputed righteousness. Not righteous of my own. That is given to me at the moment of salvation when I was justified. That God imputed unto me the righteousness of Christ. This I do not have to put on. So it's not talking about. That is given to me. This is not dealing with imputed righteousness. And this armor is not for protecting me against God's wrath, which is what that does. This is protecting me from the wiles of the devil. 
So we're not dealing with imputed righteousness. And if that was the case, temptation would have no effect on me. Uh, nothing. Because that, that, this, that doesn't come off. That's there. It's mine. So we know that this is dealing with practical righteousness. A righteousness that is produced in us as we serve Christ, as Christ is formed in us, as we're conformed to His image. There is a necessity for righteousness, for holy living. Think of how good the devil, think of these different things, how they have been strategically attacked. Remember how we define the word wiles. Just think in the culture over what we're seeing take place right now with a complete meltdown before us. Uh, really, take your head out of the sand if you don't believe. We're seeing a complete meltdown right now. Think of how the devil has worked to strategically attack these areas. He got Christians somehow to begin to mock holy living. As if it became a, almost a bad term in religious circles. Removing the breastplate. Removing key pieces of the armor. Once you understand this, although Satan is a murderer, I'm convinced as I go through Scripture, he would much rather see you marred in sin than dead. He would rather see your life just disgusted and marred in sin. I mean, we can look today at the world all around us, people that are walking apart from truth and in darkness that have no clue. I mean, today it's amazing how it's even affected churches. Avoiding holiness. Afraid to call sin, sin. With all the sexual immorality that takes place and all the homosexuality. Usually, and it's true. Nowadays, you listen to even churches that attempt to attack, say it is sin, but it's what people need to hear. It is. It's not the right course. That is in love. But usually when that's said, there's like a 15-minute apology first. What in the world? So we see in the first step, it's a matter of getting serious. Okay, Lord, I'm going to take this serious. I'm going to be a person of truth. I'm going to be a person of integrity. All right? All right, you're getting yourself ready now. Then the second thing he says, the very first thing now you've got to put on, it's going to really protect you, is that practical righteousness. There's not a Roman soldier that would have ever thought, I'm going to run into battle without my breastplate on. I'm going to head into this thing. I got this. I am so good with my sword. I'm good to go. You see, you can take a shot to the thigh and survive. You can take a shot to your arm and survive. But especially back then, if, if you take a sword in your torso, it's usually over with. The battle's done. Holy living is the breastplate of righteousness. The devil's been so effective at twisting our thinking against the phrase 
holy living. Of actually saying, Lord, I, I do. Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want to do. Lord, may, may you decide how I live my life. But in our own pride, in our own stubbornness, we want to do what we want to do. We want to choose what's right and wrong. We don't want somebody else deciding for us. Instead of saying, no, Lord, whatever you want, I want to be protected. I want to be able to finish my course. Surrendering to him. Lord, what would you have me to do? This is putting on armor. This is protecting you. So weakness in the armor comes in and when it takes the form of an unconfessed sin. Sin that you just choose to ignore. You're putting a major kink in your armor. That's what you're doing. You're weakening it. You're making yourself more vulnerable. You can say, I want to serve. I want to be serious and mean it. But if you want to stand against the kingdom of darkness as the Bible describes it, understand you're at a disadvantage. You had better make sure you are protected. And the Lord says, listen, what's going to protect your vitals is taking righteousness serious. We can think many who have fallen, who went into the battle with great sincerity, not hypocrites. But the armor wasn't on. Sin not being dealt with. The enemy saw the holes, the vital parts. He knew he could exploit this person regardless of the sincerity. Think when Israel had just won the battle of Jericho. An amazing victory to see. Then they go on to Ai. Should have been nothing. Should have been easy. We got this. But now they had kinks in the armor and they didn't see it. And it even dealt with righteousness. With Achan's sin. So maybe even pray, Lord, where are my cracks? Where, where, where is my armor defective? And let him show you. Let him show you. And just be sincere before God. Come with him that same prayer. I want to take this seriously. All right, Lord. Listen. What do I need to do? What's some areas in my life where I'm weak in this? Where I'm still opening myself up to attacks of the devil? And thirdly, and this one's important. The shoes. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The shoes you choose are going to be very important. I mean, and we all know that. I mean, if you're going to run in a race, if you're going to go in a 5K race, don't wear combat boots. Um, you don't want to wear flip-flops when you're heading to work at a factory. I still remember when I was at that steel factory... A, a, a worker actually showing up in a flip-flop type shoe. And the foreman just seen him walk in with that and literally just sent him home. Just, just go home. Just head out of here. For this battle, you need the right shoes. 
I want, I want you to listen to this point, okay? Uh, when, when, when your shoes are on, that usually means you're ready. For instance, if somebody comes to your house and you're planning to go out with them to something, and they say, are you ready to go? What, what do we usually say? Let me get my shoes on, okay? <clears throat> this what, is what allows you to be ready when the battle hits. Even the word preparation in the verse means readiness. You will not be ready for a battle without these shoes. Now, the Roman soldier generally wore, you can't quite see it there, very tough sandals. Interesting what they did to him. Um, I'm going to read here from a description of, of, of the Roman soldier's shoes. They had leather straps holding it firmly on. You can see that. They pounded nails from the inside, uh, uh, inside through the bottom, thick hobnail studs like a football shoe, spikes, baseball shoe, soccer shoe. And that would give them the ability to stand firm in his footing when he was engaged in a fight. It also helped him when he was running uphill and running downhill to get a grip, to stand firm so he wasn't falling down. When you're headed into a battle, your feet have to be prepared. Your feet are to be equipped for the battle just like any other part of your body. So why, though, the gospel of peace for our shoes? We understand we've got to take this serious. All right? That, it starts there. This is what's going to hold the armor together. We can understand righteousness. How the important role that's going to play in our life where we decide, no, I, I do, I've got to confess sin. I, I, I've got to try and live practically right before God in His strength. Where I can't just hold on and choose to live how I want to live. Where, Lord, I will be surrendered and yielded to You. Lord, life is about You. What do I need in my life? I think we can understand that. But now we come to the shoes, and it's the preparation of the gospel of peace. I believe there are two aspects to the shoes that provide protection and help. Again, it's referring to the gospel of peace. That's important. Many times, we, and I have done this before studying this out, we jump to the conclusion it's simply dealing with us giving out the gospel. I think there, there's a part to that. I'll, I'll come to that. That's certainly not the primary meaning, though. And this you need to see. What this will affect greatly when it comes to a battle, and it's so important, is attitude and confidence. Once we came to know Christ, we are now at peace with God. As a result of the gospel, as a result of us hearing what Christ did for us on the cross, how we're enemies, we're enemies of God. Apart from Jesus Christ, you're on the other side. You're an enemy of God is how the Bible describes it. But, but the Lord has done everything he could possible to reconcile you back to himself through sending his son to die for your sins. So once we heard the gospel, we were made at peace with God. Romans 5.1. We're at peace with God. We're on his side now of the battle. Do you understand that? We're on his side. 
As Romans chapter 8 teaches us, Romans chapter 8, if Christ be for us, who can be against us? Having the right attitude for a battle is important. Knowing whose side you're on. A soldier who heads to battle needs the confidence he can win. He needs to have that instilled within him. We can do this. Apart from it, he's likely to retreat. He's likely to retreat before that ever should happen. Because he's going in with the wrong mindset to the battle. We were made at peace with God as a result of the gospel. We are now on his side. I've given this illustration before in different messages and it fits. How it affected me in high school when I wrestled. I enjoyed the sport of wrestling. Um, and, but this action here, this attitude here had a great effect. It seemed to me that I had, one le- I had a much greater level of ability in my wrestling skills during practice than I ever did on the match. And a lot had to do with my attitude. I remember I recognized it one day. Again, we're on the bus. It's dark out. It's wintertime. Wrestling takes place from, you start into November going through February, March time frame. We're heading to Elyria Catholic High School to wrestle them. And my cousin is, I'm on the I'm in a seat in the bus on the end seat. My cousin is in front of me. He's on the end seat. Danny, he was the, one of the captains of the wrestling team. Probably the best wrestler on the team. Just a very, very good wrestler. Um, and... Uh, uh, I remember as they had a clipboard down with who were wrestling. And it, it gave me more confidence if I could see the guy's record. It would have it on, he, like he's 2-3 and three this year. I hope I wouldn't see 7-0, because my confidence was completely gone. But anyhow, so he's in front of me, and the clipboard gets handed to him. And he, he's just staring dead forward. He just grabs it and hands it back to me. And I said, hey, you didn't even look who you're wrestling. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, I don't care who I'm wrestling. He better know who he's wrestling. And I thought, man, I don't nearly have that confidence. And so how we approached it when it was time on the mat, because in wrestling, there was one thing I loved about, about the sport. You weren't dependent upon anybody else. That was you. That was you. But you could see it even as he prepared when the match was getting ready to start. The difference. There needs to be a confidence Understand this. You are on God's side in this battle. Do you understand that? You're on His side. I mean, again, as Roman 8 says, if He's for us, who can be against us? If you follow these steps, in other words, you will make it. You will last. You'll have protection in your life. You'll start having protection in your family. Think of David when he fought Goliath. Did he not go into that with a great deal of confidence? What made the confidence? Think between him and Saul or anybody else in the army. Nobody wanted to take Goliath on. They had no confidence. What was the difference? What did David believe that they did not? Why did David have confidence? Because he believed the battle was the Lord's. The battle was the Lord's. So as even though we see what's taking place in our world right now, 
the Creator Himself. I was made at peace with Him. I'm a soldier in His army. That's a pretty good army to be in right there. We're going in His name. It is His battles. We go with confidence because of our salvation. Because of the gospel of peace. Because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 John chapter 4. Secondly, I do believe it also covers the area of our responsibility with the gospel. And what I mean by that is this, and let me cover this. As, as Christians, with the truth we possess, we do need a solid understanding of the gospel. And it's not difficult. It's not Instead of us understanding the gospel itself and how it worked on the cross, we simply uh, uh, went through key verses and set words we were told to say. No confidence came with that, actually. We learned a presentation. That's what we did. Instead of an understanding of the gospel of peace. Having an understanding of the gospel helps you so much. One, I, I, I remember even Brother Brunk had talked about this in, uh, I don't see him here. Maybe he's out right now. In, during the, what do we call that? Wild Game. Wild Game Supper. He, had did, a, he did the devotion for the Wild Game Supper. Did, did, did a good job on that. Anybody focus on one of the reasons why many times we simply don't get the gospel is because we're not prepared. We don't have confidence when we go to do it. It doesn't take much to learn it. Know the gospel. Pass out the tracts, yes, but know the gospel. Know how to present the gospel. This will help you stand to dig into your position in a spiritual battle. Listen, we... There is a great enemy, but greater is God. Know the gospel of peace. Be able to present it. Have that down. That goes, that goes with your confidence in this. It does. It ties so much together. That as, as you know of the gospel and how this works, the confidence that gives you of knowing what it's done, where you are ready to present it. Because, boy, there is, I mean, it's been true in all ages, but just what we're seeing take place now, there's such a lost and dying world. People completely operate from a place of darkness, of pure flesh. I have my own truth, you have your own truth. All this is just destroying lives and families. A complete breakdown. Race division. The armor starts with you deciding, I'm going to take this, steer, take this serious. Your loins gird about with truth. From there, decide, okay, Lord, please help me in my own personal walk with you. Help me to be a person that does look for holiness and righteousness 
that lives for that practical righteousness. Lord, what do you need me to do? Notice, it isn't to look better than somebody else. It's simply to serve God. God, I want to stay strong. I want to last. Then having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, showing, knowing whose side you're on. Next week, we'll continue looking at the other pieces of the armor. Get it into the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. With heads bowed and eyes closed.